0: Amen. Well, good morning. It is great to see you. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, You're going, yeah? It was fun doing the New Year's Eve thing. (laughs) Morning! Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. Yeah, morning. Next year it's even worse because next year New Year's Day falls on a Sunday. So, um, all right, quick survey. Do a 9 o'clock service next year, Sunday, 10.45 only. 10.45 only. We got one vote, two votes. Uh, We'll find out. We're we're flexible. We can we can make this work. Um, I one of the things that surprised me was how quickly uh, New Year's uh, this whole New Year start snuck up on me. Um, I I mean Christmas seemed to do the same, but here we are in a in a brand new year, 2011. I um, I was like a lot of families, we were packing up our Christmas decorations on uh, on Christ, uh, yesterday, and so I'm packing these things up and I'm thinking we just unpack them. In fact, I think we had some that we never got around to unpacking as we were putting them out. It just—it went so fast. Those of you who are on a break, you know, or or off of school, or or even off of work for a couple days. It's tomorrow. Most of us go back to doing what we were doing. It, It went so fast, and I think that's one of the reasons why people adopted New Year's as a time to make resolutions the start of a new year, because you realize, especially the older you get, the, you realize how fast a year can go. You blink, and it's that new year. And those, those things that you had, whether it was conscious and focused or just kind of a, a desire, those things that you wanted to have happen, when that new year comes and they haven't happened, it's like, oh, wait, I can't let another year slip by without, without these things happening. You know, when you when you think about it, 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 it time goes so fast. And I, I would imagine in a in a room this size, we've got a number of people who one of your resolutions was this, you know, this year I want to have more money in savings than I did a year ago. And that year passed and you're going. Where's that savings that we were gonna save? You know, and there's others who who have who have thought, you know, I wanna I wanna either get further down the path on my career path, or I wanna have an educational goal that I want to attain. And here we are a year later. And am I closer to that than I was? Um, I have a a shelf that's dedicated to the books that I want to read. And every year, that shelf fills up with more and more books. It it doesn't get smaller. The the, The thing keeps filling up. There's books that we haven't read. There are inches on our waists that we had said, this year... I'm going to have fewer of inches around my waist and, and it's a year later and, and they're still there. Or vacation days. If this is the year I'm going to use all my vacation. And it was a year where you don't use all your vacation or date nights that never happened. You know, there were people in all of our lives, there were people that we wanted to be closer with at the end of 2010 that we're not closer with necessarily now that it's 2011. Um, and then spiritually, you know, I, I think all of us who, who desire to have a relationship with God, we were hoping that a year later we would hear God's voice with greater clarity than we did a year ago. Or that we would sense God's, God's guidance and his, his power when we prayed and when we lived then, then, then is the reality a year later. So that's one of the reasons. I'm, I'm heading off to snow camp uh, next weekend, but when I get back, we're going to start a new series. And the series is going to be dedicated to us us discovering the people that God wants us to, to be as individuals. And then how in this year can we get closer to that? How can, we, how can we, a year from now, be experiencing God's activity in our life and his power in our life uh, more than ever before? That's, where we wanna, that's what we're going to start our year with, looking at that as individuals. Well, that's in two weeks. What I want to do today um, is something we really have not done uh, for a long, long time. And that's to say, as a church family where do we see God bringing us um, and where do we hope he's going to bring us over the course of next year. So that's what we're going to focus on today. More in, st- we'll, in two weeks, we'll look at the individual perspective, but this year we're going to look at, from a church, um, uh, where is God taking us? And as, I've been, as I was wrestling with this, uh, I, I, it was a good process for me to look back over the last couple of years. Um, and one of the things as I look back is I, I remember how much of the vision for our church has been a... A progressive revelation for us: how the vision did not come all at once, or anything close to that. Um, One of the defining moments for with our church and and our vision came at uh, one of those assessment centers that Isaiah was describing. Uh, Last week, Isaiah was describing this thing called the assessment center, and what that is is this denomination we're part of—the covenant. They do a lot with church planting. They're planting, and I think it's a church every two weeks you know, for this little but growing denomination. They're planting a new church every two weeks. And so they have this thing called the assessment centers where before they say yes to planting a church, everyone goes through this deal. So um, so we went through it, Laura and I went through it in the summer of 2006, and it's, a, it's an intense deal. Um, before the event even begins, you have to fill out all of these personality profiles and psychological inventory things, and, and you have to submit all of these theological essays and references. I mean, you... They really do a thorough job, and that's even before you get there. And then you get there, and you are psychologically tested and probed and messed with, um, you know, to kind of sort out to say, you know, who 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 um, who's who's going to come out um, uh, with a positive assessment. And and that makes sense. It makes sense for a couple reasons. Um, just first and foremost, I believe it makes sense because the the covenant, they're good people, and they recognize that that church planting is, uh, it is one of the most demanding callings that there is. And they want to be sure if, if they're going to say yes to somebody that they're actually called as best they can discern to do this. So that's one of the reasons why it makes sense. Um, but it also makes sense because if you're, if you're going to be investing $100,000 over three years as a, as a denomination, you want to feel good that, hey, this is as best we can discern it this is something that is, that is of God. So, so that's the, the, a little bit of a process and how it makes sense. Well, I want to give you this context and I want to tell you the story that, that kind of was a defining moment with, with our vision. Here's the context. When Laura and I went to this assessment center to assess church planters, we went fully convinced that we were not church planters. We didn't know this covenant group. It was new to us. We were brand new to the covenant. In fact, most of you know my first Covenant church worship service Was our first worship service As a covenant church So, so we were totally new to this covenant But by that point in our, in, in our discernment process We knew our next step Was going to be with these people we, we were really excited about them So we said They asked us to come To this assessment center We said yeah We'll come um, But with the understanding that, it's, that we're not church planters You know We're coming So you can get to know us And we can get to know you Because this is all new So it's kind of like A, a first big date Right? First big date. We're, we're gonna get to know you. You're gonna get to get to know us. So that was our, our mindset set coming in. So so um, with that in mind, here's here's one of the tests, and I love Isaiah calls it the vision ambush. One of our one of our tests there at this Covenant Assessment Center was the vision ambush, and they never told us it was coming. So here's what happens. We're um, it was a day or two into this thing, and Laura and I are on a break, and we're just kind of talking with some other people, and one of the assessors comes up. And they kind of tap us on the shoulder and they said, Hey, could you come and talk with us for a minute? we're like, sure. So we follow the assessor and we come into a room. And we walk into this room, it's a large classroom, and they're seated staring at us like you're doing right now, staring at us, are all the assessors. And so you walk into this room and there are the national people from Chicago, you know, all of the, the, the big big shooters, you know, and there's every superintendent from every conf- conference that the covenant has. They're there. There are veteran church planters. There are psychologists. There are, this room is just filled with all these people who have been assessing you and will be assessing you. And there they are, are, unannounced. You walk into this thing, and they're all staring at you. And you don't know why until they ask one question. And that question was, tell us your vision for your new church. Tell us your vision for the new church. So... I lead with something like, well, I don't have a vision for a new church because we're not church planters. And I don't remember what else I said, but Laura says that I said this, something to this effect. We'll put it up on, not the vision ambush. Thanks for This. Laura remembers me saying that I want to contribute to building the church I've never been to. When I started talking about, about a vision for a church, This is what she reminds me leading with. Something like this. I want to contribute wherever God leads us because that's what was happening. We were just following God's lead and he had led us there. I want to contribute to building the church that I've never been to. And now that we're a little further removed from from that day, it's been fun to to watch as God's vision for our church has been emerging. It didn't come. For some people, it comes right away all at once. It's It's like God sends a a brand new iPad in high def, and here's your vision. Just push that one button, and it, it'll it come. And you have this, this whole thing all clearly spelled out. It's crystal clear. Go do this. For, for us, it's been more like those old Polaroids. You ever remember those Polaroid cameras? You, you took this picture, and then out comes this little like, card, and then everybody shakes it, even though it was shaking. I was told later it didn't do anything. But you, you'd shake this little card, and then slowly the picture would start to take shape. Well, now that we're three years removed from, from that event, here are some things that I can see for our church that, that, that it's been fun too because these are the things that have emerged not just with me but with others. Here are, here are some of them. Our emerging vision. We see a vibrant and growing family who walk by faith, maintain hope, and are known for their commitment to God, each other, and our world. That people don't look at us first and foremost and go, oh, they're slick at this, or slick at that, but they see a people who are growing in things that matter most. Here's some other things that we see. Um, we see a gifted body aligned in such a way as to effectively spread the very message and mission of Christ Himself. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to be the head and I'm going to build my church. And He gave this metaphor of us being like a body. And we have seen that. We have seen right from the start that God had all these parts in place. And as He started to bring them together, all of these needs that we later found out we had, He already had people in place we're gifted that way. And more so as we head into the future to discover what are the gifts and talents that God has put in you, what are the ones he has yet to give you, so that we can really be this body that when we come together, we're greater than the sum of the parts. So that's a little piece of it. Um, This is another thing emerging in our vision, that we're really going to increasingly be a people of the book. Meaning what book? The the Bible. We're going to be increasingly a people of the book. Marked, By a humble orthodoxy that is both anchored and open. We could spend the rest of the time just on this line, but in a summary, what some of this loaded language is saying is we increasingly are going to become a people who really know God's word. We're in God's word. We know God's word. But yet, the more we dig, the more humble we find ourselves. Instead of going to the Bible and and spending time um, learning and studying it and coming away more confident or coming away more... um, more arrogant, thinking we have this all figured out, we're going to be discovering the mysteries of God. And, 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 and every question that we think we have answered now leads to another question. And, and to have this, this group of people who are both anchored and open, it's easy to find people who are anchored, or so they think, and people who are open. It's easy to find people who, they're, they're grounded in the word, they know the Bible, but then they think they have it all figured out. And they don't want to listen to other ideas, they just want to say, here's what you're supposed to believe about baptism or end times or whatever you can find a lot of people like that where they'll just tell you this is this is the one and only interpretation you can also find people who are just well you you ascribe whatever meaning to it that you want it to say you know you can find either extreme but it's so i want to be a part of a church where it's both we are anchored in the word but we're also listening and learning from one another does that make sense all right, so these are some of the things. Here's some more of the things um, as this vision is emerging. Teaching. We, we want to we have church that teaches, has teaching that neither dodges the hard stuff nor distorts the gospel. The gospel is the good news that it's not about what we do but what, about what God has done. That there's nothing we can do to merit God's love or his, his, his salvation. So we want to we hold true to that and not make it sound like it's about us, but we also don't want to dodge the hard stuff. The Bible says hard things. If anyone come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We, we want to we do both, to, to talk about the, the obedience that the Bible describes, but yet also the amazing grace that's there. Okay, some other things. We want to have, when we gather, we want to have gatherings that are frequently uncomfortable, but almost never awkward. And here's how I define that. The uncomfortable is, we open up the Bible and it says things that we wish weren't in there. You know, and, we're, and we will go there. Or we'll develop relationships with each other that are that are true enough where we can look each other in the eye and say things that are difficult and challenging to say. We want to go to that place. We want to go to this place of, God, whatever it is you want, gulp, we want it too. But yet, not awkward, you know, in terms of practice that that there's... You know, I've been in so many situations, I could name a gazillion of them. But I think of one time I was in a worship service, and they, they, they were focusing on, on guys, and, uh, and they said, Okay, now men, if you are a man of God, get up, leave your seat, and join this dancing conga line thing that's going around the room. And I'm thinking, Okay, how, what's it, uh, this is weird to me. And I don't see why a man of God must join the dancing conga line. I just, I don't get that. That just feels awkward. That doesn't feel like God is calling me to take this step of faith. It just, it feels like it's a conga line, you know? And, and so what we want to do as a, as a church, I hope you know, anytime you come here, we will do our best to protect you from awkward moments of putting you in a situation where we say, well, if you're really a good Christian, you'll do this action that is more about just practice or opinion or something than it is about pressing into the things of God. Does that make sense? We want to try to produce both of those. Okay, another one. Services that are both relevant and reverent. I, we've spoken about this before, that we believe it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be pra- practical versus biblical. It doesn't have to be, do we have a full reverence for God and we're talking about him and we're honoring him or it's about us. It's, it's a both and. It's about what does God want to do in and through our lives so that he may be glorified. Other things. Um, Sundays targeted to the whole family of faith Different churches There's different ways to do church right And some churches on Sunday mornings They say this is a time Where it's really for the believers Sunday mornings when we gather We're just, we're going to use, you know, Christianese We're going to dive into the, to the, to the word We're going to just assume That people know certain things We're not going to be afraid to say Okay, turn to the people around you And pray um, with them You know, that type of deal there's other churches that say, you know what? Sunday mornings, that's a time for seekers. That is the time where we do everything is geared for the person that's never been to church. <laughs> Neither one of those is wrong. Well, unless God didn't tell you to do that. Um, what I believe can happen with our Sunday mornings um, is for our Sunday mornings to be both That it's a time where the whole family of God gathers And we try to use language that's understandable enough for someone that's never been to church before. Practices that are understandable enough and explained for someone that's never been here. But yet the substance of what we're talking to, the Holy Spirit uses to draw people deeper. And there'll be some times where some of the series are geared and teachings are geared more for people who are new to the faith. There's other times where these teachings are geared for people who've been walking with Christ for their lives. That's what I see happening on, on Sunday mornings. Some other things. We we see a lot of stuff. Um, We see programs where excellence is always a goal but never a liability. That we never want to just have these distracting things that were just not thought out well, but that it never feels like a show. That when you come away, it's not like, well, I I was entertained or I felt like they were just up here um, doing a show that I came to watch. You know, so excellence is never a liability, where we panic. Oh, no, we, something went wrong. We had a glitch, so it wasn't a successful Sunday. That's not the true measure. The true measure is whether or not we meet God, all right? Other things about this emerging vision that, that God's given us. Um, signatures, that every church has its unique signatures. Some of ours include tradition with a twist. We, um, we will use some of the, the vintage colors and the vi- vintage symbols but yet we'll put our own little twist on them. Sophisticated simplicity. We'll try to keep things simple, but as you press into them, you'll find they have great depth. These are some of the marks of our church. All right, we have just a few more that are emerging here. Um, We are going to be a church that unapologetically makes disproportionately large investments into marriages, families, parents, and kids. This church that God is starting, we will invest in families. We will invest in kids. We will invest in teenagers. And we won't apologize for how much emphasis we put into it. You know, it's, it's not going to be, all things won't be equal at our church. And one of the things that will not be equal is that we are going to take great care of our kids. We're going to talk about family issues. Not at the exclusion of other people, but because that is such a central thing. Um, Another piece here, that when we do focus on youth and family ministries, they're going to be marked by training rather than telling. Instead of just being a church that says, here's what you should do, we want to try to help equip. So instead of telling a teenager, don't go take drugs, we want to try to help equip them, you know? Or or to, to wait for sexual activity until you're married. Instead of just telling them that, to try to help inspire. Why is that? The guy would say something, such a thing. All right, last grouping of bullets. Here we go. I think this is the last grouping of bullets. If not, it probably should be. Um, but this is some of the stuff, and we won't talk about this enough. Here's some of the stuff that we see as a church. We want to be a community that is only appropriately PC. I believe that a church should be politically correct when it's appropriate to be politically correct. Let's use inclusive language when we can. It's the culture we live in. People don't hear men and women when they hear he. There's things like that that are, that are good about pol- politically correctness. But there are things that are in God's word that are not politically correct. And when, we, when there's, there's something that needs to be said, that needs to be said, whether or not it's popular, it needs to be said. All right, some other things. Um, a place where, oh, hit the next two in a row, Dory, please. Um, a place where ugly politics gain no foothold. Um, a place where our skeletons have no closet to hide in. Oh, these are big to me. One of the, the biggest disappointments ever for myself and for, for different people when it comes to churches is when you get inside the church, you you are shocked by what you see. That at the surface it looks like Wow, these people are really trying to follow Jesus and they're acting like godly people. And then you, and I'm seeing nods all over the place right now. Um, but then you get inside the church and you're like, what? Church leaders are doing what? Council meetings are like, what? One of the problems we're having um, as we're discerning, like this whole, as we're putting together an elder board, is most of the people that have elder experience, they don't want to do it again because they're like, I will never put myself in there. I don't want to know. La, 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 that's what's happening in the church? La, 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 la. You know, and, and so I, I refuse to believe it needs to be that way. In fact, it is not God-honoring to be that way. The, the harshest words that Jesus had were for church leaders who should know better. So I want our place, we're going to be found, we're going to make mistakes, all that type of stuff, but we will have no skeletons in our closet, they will be out. We'll say, yep, we made a mistake, here you go. Here it is. This is not going to be a place where we're going to have ugly politics or skeletons that we hide in. Um, also, a congregation with real internal and external accountability. You know, that makes sense, especially in light of the last two. And then there's this too: um, that we want to have a family checkbook that we're unashamed to show our father. That as we look at how we're investing God's money, Jesus, would you change anything? You know, this is your money. You know, are we investing the way you would want us to invest? Rather, things that we think are important. Well, we could go on and on and on. I'm kind of seeing by your eyes you, you've heard enough of this. But you see, we're starting to get what's excited is we're, we're we're starting to get this this vision from from going from well, I know a lot of things I don't like, to watch as God has been giving us a clearer and clearer vision. Some of the stuff very very specific, and the reason I mean we went in thinking Laura and I went in thinking just great, we want to go forward with a covenant church, find us a covenant church and, and we'll be a part of it and, 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 and use whatever gifts and talents and ideas we have to, to, to take it further along. The reason I think, one of the reasons God didn't call us to that is because that church didn't exist. And it still doesn't because we still have yet to walk this out. But this is where I believe God is, is taking us, it. the direction that he wants us to go. Well, let's jump ahead now. To the, so let's go right to the Corinthians passage. Um, if you brought your Bibles, I, uh, let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I felt it was important for us to do this because we really haven't... I don't even know the last time. can't remember the last time we, we started to say, here's where I believe God's bringing us. But I didn't want to just end there. You know, I wanted to say, okay, God, as, as we're looking ahead now to 2011, is there a passage... Is there a scripture that, that you would like us to look at as we start this brand new year? And I, I, um, the, the two that popped into my head when I prayed that, were the, I remember there's a, a passage about us being ambassadors, so I made a mental note, looked that up, and there's a passage about us being a royal priesthood. And so I, I looked at those two passages. And I believe that these are, are great want passages for us to start this new year. So if you brought your Bibles, let's open up Second Corinthians chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bibles, the words are up there on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible... We would love to send you home with one. We have a stack of them there at the resource table. All right, here we go. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 17. Uh, here we go. Um, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back from, to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All right, uh, this translation that I just read from is um, called the New Living Translation. And it's, I like it because it's very readable, but as we've commented before, it's not a very accurate translation. Right from the start, where, like it says here, if anyone belongs to Christ, he's become a new person. Most of the more accurate translations will translate that word as um, you're, a, you're a new creation, not just a new person, but the word that's being used here is really a word that's a brand new creation. And I think that that's a lot more accurate. That, that God desires those who are in Christ to become not just a better person, but this new creation with a new mind and a new heart and who is subject to a new kingdom that is yet to come fully but has also started now. And more so than ever, I believe 2011 is going to be a year that God has us really press into this. This idea of not just, I've got my plans for my life, God, I want you to bless it, but rather becoming this new creation where we're hearing God's dreams and God's plans and what God wants to do in our lives individually and corporately. And as I look back on 2010, one of my best memories ever was when we had that Skype Sunday. How many of you were here for that one? All right. When we had, um, when we had uh, Joel, this guy, a principal of a school in Juarez, Mexico, who was kidnapped. And we're listening. I hadn't talked to him since the kidnapping. And so I'm in this first time along with the rest of you. And he's describing this experience. And you talk about someone who has become a new creation. He was a wonderful man of God before this, but he's now becoming a new creation as he looks at us and says, this is going to sound crazy, but I wish this could have happened to you. Because of what God did in me in that situation. And when we ask Hoel, we go, okay, Hoel, honestly, why did you go back? Why didn't you just flee after this whole experience, after being kidnapped and your life threatened and then released? Why didn't you flee? And he just looks and he says, I'm in a covenant with God. That's a new creation! You know, most of us, we would, we would start with the human perspective of, okay, now I have every excuse in the world to justify not going back. I have every excuse in the world to be angry at God, even though it worked out okay. I have every excuse in the world to question God's power and his sovereignty, because I could come up with all kinds of ways of why, why this just happened and I got lucky, or why this shouldn't be happening to begin with. From a human standpoint, that event should have just knocked him out of the game. But instead, God met him, and he's a new creation. Imagine if that happened in our lives, individually and as a group. We became this new creation, where even our lives being threatened was this good thing. And one of the things that I I believe is going to be happening here more and more and more is that our church is going to be pulled into this New Testament Christianity, and Old Testament Christianity, where the people we read about in the Bible, we're seeing that happen here. We're seeing miraculous answers to prayer. We're seeing attitudes that are not coming from ourselves, but from God. We're seeing changes that are happening in our lives that can only be attributed to the Spirit's work in our lives. Where these things, just like with Howell, where, where you, your mind flashes back to mirac- how God miraculously released people from prison, where, where your, your mind is brought back to Paul, who said, "I wish you were as I am, who's in prison at the time, except for these change, chains, where, where the distance between us and the stories and accounts of the Bible, that distance starts to close as we become new creations. I see that happening more than ever before, as we move ahead into 2011, that we become these people who the Bible calls ambassadors for God. And if you use that imagery, instead of us, as as so often happens in Western churches, instead of church being the place we retreat to, the place where we all huddle together and talk about how bad the world is, you know, instead of us being ambassadors who are hiding in the cellar of the embassy, afraid of that culture out there, we are these ambassadors who take this message of reconciliation to the world this message of God wants to have a peace treaty with you God wants to forgive you of all your sins God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for you that whoever will humble themselves enough to say I'm going to stop living for myself I will put my trust in him can enter into this new kingdom now and have eternal life as, as their life goes on. This message of come back to God. The word reconciliation, it means to bring together again. When you reconcile, it's two parties who are far apart coming back together. It's a marriage that was on the rocks that is now made whole. It is a prodigal child returning to the family. It is dividing walls coming down. It is enemies coming, friend. It is what happens to a person who is far from God when they become a new creation. That's reconciliation. We get to experience it and we get to share that message with others. So 2011, it's going to be a year of invitation for our church to experience um, God's activity in our lives like no other and then to extend that invitation to others. Um, Earlier this week, I took our girls to a movie, uh, Disney's latest latest movie. Anyone recognize um, this one? How many have gone? All right. Yes, Tim. Good movie, isn't it? If you like Disney, if you like Disney, it's a great movie. Um, Let me introduce you to to two of the characters Um, here. In the as the movie's playing out, we won't give away any of the endings. But the girl with the long blonde hair—that's Rapunzel, as in the the fairy tale Rapunzel. Rapunzel, let down your hair. And in this version, there's this woman here. Her name's like Gothel or something like that. Is that right? Something like that. Um, There's this woman named Gothel, and. This Rapunzel in this movie is given this special gift. Her hair has these these amazing powers to heal and to bring wholeness. And so Gothel recognizes that, but instead of this gift which was meant for the world to be shared, she keeps it to herself. She grabs Rapunzel, kidnaps her. Rapunzel's so young that she didn't remember that. And so she raises Rapunzel as her own child and, and lies to Rapunzel saying, you're my kid, you're my child, and you have to stay in this tower for your own safety, because there's an evil world out there that just wants to, to abuse you and to, to selfishly use your powers as she uses these powers to stay forever young. And, and I was watching that movie, and I was thinking, you know, there's a hit me on a lot of different levels, but that was one of them as I was thinking about today is there's a temptation in, in, um, among Christians, especially Western consumeristic Christians, where we want to say, well, what can God do for me? Whether we're specifically consciously doing that or not, it happens because that's our culture. We're always asking who can do what for you. And so there's this temptation where we say, God, what can you do for me? How can you make my good suburban life, you know, better? And, and there's this paradigm shift that needs to happen because that's, that's keeping Rapunzel in the tower. There's this paradigm shift that needs to happen. Where we recognize this gift that's been given to us for the world, and we really seek to understand the true nature of this gift, and then we're excited to share it. There's also some sub things going on too, of like this guy who um, the, the the love interest for Rapunzel, who um, who has this shallow dream. He's a shallow guy, and throughout the movie, he begins to have he begins to dream new dreams as he gets exposed to her. And God wants to rescue us from that, too, from the dreams, in his case, of just wealth and fame, you know, to rescue us from dreams that seem so big and seem so wonderful but are chasing the wind. You know, let 2011 be a, a year where God can let you dream the dreams that he wants you to dream, to, to, to live out the destiny that he created you to live, and then for us together as a church to take steps towards that, too. Well, there's a couple blanks to fill in. Oh, but before we do that, let's take a look just at 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verses 9 through 12. Let's turn there quickly. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. Um, here's that other passage that I, that I felt like you're we supposed to at least look at. It says this, you're a chosen race. Look at that language. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may pro I love the wording here that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh. which which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles so honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You know, on on Christmas Eve, I was having a number of moments. Um, For one, I'm sitting there and our six-year-old daughter turns to us as we're about to have communion. Our six-year-old daughter turns to us and goes, well, she turns to Laura. She says, Mommy, I want to do that. I, I want to tell Jesus, referring to communion, I want to tell Jesus I'm sorry for my sins and I want to do that thing that you're going to do. You know, so I'm having that moment. Before the service, I'm, 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 I'm watching as, as kids from Juarez, Mexico are coming in here you know, and joining us for worship. And, and all these things are happening. I'm seeing people back from school and I'm seeing this people who were not a people united by God worshiping on christmas eve and the thought comes into my head four years ago this did not exist god is doing something unique he's doing something special and what he's doing here is not the one right way to do church but this is a unique expression of his body that he is has pulled together and that he's building so now there's a place to write this um in your notes and i think this is this is key so if you'd be so kind as to write this down um Fill in in the blank here. When God provides a name, it often reflects a reality that is to come. God had such attention to detail for us that he is the one that gave us our name. If you've never heard the story, talk to me. I'd love to tell it to you. Um, but, But God gave us our name as a church, and our name reflects the people we're to become. Emmanuel Covenant Church. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. He wants us to be a God with us people where we experience God with us and those who come in experience God together with us. Covenant is a word that means in it together, that we have this experience. that's not individualistic, but it's, it's something that corporately we're experiencing and then church, the assembly of God's people. Emmanuel Covenant Church. That is a name that God's given us and when God gives a name in the Bible, it's frequently something he wants to grow us, grow them into. And that's what he wants us to become, a God with us people. So in 2011 and beyond, our invitation to this community we're a part of and the community where you live and your friends, your family, the invitation will be to experience God with us. That's who we're about. So there's a whole lot to boil down to that phrase. For us, that's what it's going to look like, at least as best we can see it. Experience God with us is going to mean some of those things that we, that we just described. Well, let's do this then. Let's have the worship band come on up. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to start 2011 by, um, by, at least the calendar year 2011, by, by gathering around the Lord's table. So worship band, why don't you come on up. And then let's, let's pray. Let's seal these things that we just talked about. And then um, we'll celebrate on the communion. For those who are new here, we, we practice what's called open communion at, um, at our church. The only person that will keep you from the Lord's table is you. If you would love to, to if you would desire to come forward and receive communion with us, we would be honored to have you join us at the Lord's table. There will be some ushers that will, um, that will receive you forward, have you come forward when it's time. You can receive the elements. You can. We encourage people to spend some time reflecting um, before they, they receive uh, communion. So I think that, that does it. And we'll also be receiving an offering too when we do communion. But let me, let me just pray about this other stuff and then we'll, we'll go into our time of communion. Um, Father, uh, forgive me for calling this other stuff. This is sacred. Um, you have been revealing your plans and purposes, purposes for us, who were not a people. And now you're, you're forming us into one. And so, Father, we thank you that you um, care enough about us and those we know that you would call this new thing into existence. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit would, would guide and lead us and empower us so that we could become your ambassadors, that we could become this, this holy nation, that we could become a people who proclaim your excellencies and this ministry of reconciliation. That people could see changes in our lives that they actually think are good. And that out of that relationship, Lord, that we could be encouraging people to come back to you or to come to you for the first time. So, Father, we dedicate this year to you and to your plans and to your, your, um, your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's now prepare ourselves to, um, to receive communion. Um, we have prayers that we pray together, uh, so let's, uh, let's turn our attention to those. And the wording is a little bit different now. Um, we've, we've added a couple things here. So just when you thought you had it all memorized, huh? sorry to throw you that curveball. Um, let's pray together as we prepare ourselves for communion. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Father, we we come to you now and we, we ask that you will take these elements and you'll make them for us, your body and your blood, that it may strengthen us, that we may, it may help us to, to put our full attention and full focus on you, that we may come away from this table strengthened with spiritual food and spiritual drink for the journey that, that is out ahead of us. Thank you for uniting us in this way around this common table. Thank you, Lord, for even providing language so that we can express out loud together that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of your glory but that you have, a, have great plans and purposes for us and that you invite us to this common table to be strengthened, to be encouraged for the journey. So we pray that that's what happens. Father, we, we give you permission, we ask and we invite your Holy Spirit to bring to our mind different areas individually where, where we're, not, we're not walking according to your ways. We pray that you'll bring them to our minds so that we can confess them before you. We pray that you also bring them to mind so that we can ask for your help. In coming out of here changed and starting our new year with a new um, indwelling power and presence that we didn't have before, so that we can face challenges that are bigger than us, but not face them with our own strength, but with your power and your purposes. So, so Father, um, we we pray all these things, and we also pray uh, the prayer together that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We have the communion servers come on up. Join us in worship.